What is the V20 Climate Vulnerable Forum Fund? And how much can reducing your meat intake impact the environment? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Becosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Today is Wednesday, April 27th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with some climate victories. On Monday, Indigenous leaders met in New York for the 21st session of the United Nations Permanent Forum of Indigenous Issues. In it, they discussed standards for respecting Indigenous land, rights, and culture, and provided clear recommendations for the UN and its member states. Meanwhile, financial ministers of the V20 Group of Vulnerable Nations, which represents 48 developing countries, have agreed to design and test a funding facility to address losses and damage brought on by climate change-induced extreme weather. This fund, supported by independent donors, is called the V20 Climate Vulnerable Forum Fund. This is in absence of the promised $100 billion a year promised by developed countries a while ago. Some donors include the Children's Investment Fund, which pledged $1 million, and the Open Society Foundation, which pledged $500,000. The group is seeking further donations, including from G7 and G20 countries. Scientists in Finland say that choosing meat and dairy alternatives over meat could save your meal's carbon footprint, land usage, and water usage by over 80% compared to an average European diet. Alternatives to meat could include fake meat like impossible patties, lab-grown meat, insect-based protein, mushroom-based protein, and algae and kelp-based protein. They also found that even just reducing the amount of meat consumed in a week and instead eating more vegetables could reduce your impact substantially. Not everyone has to quit meat or dairy products cold turkey, but reducing your meat intake or switching it out for other options is a great way to reduce your meal's environmental footprint and water usage. Over in the United Kingdom, Great Britain announced a task force Monday to tackle greenwashing in the financial sector. Greenwashing is when companies make themselves out to be more climate-friendly while doing little to actually move the needle in the right direction. The financial sector is particularly bad about this. Britain has a goal of making the economy net zero by 2050, and as part of that, it wants to become the first country to have a net zero financial sector. The task force will judge the credibility and accuracy of companies' green pledges. Many financial institutions say that putting a price on carbon would help them with their climate goals. In the United States, I have another Earth Day event to mention. Trigger warning, this next news story contains content involving someone taking their own life. Please fast forward past this part if you are not in the mental state to hear this. I will leave resources down below if you or someone you know is at risk of bodily harm. 50-year-old Wynne Bruce burned himself alive in front of the U.S. Supreme Court as an act of climate protest on Earth Day. The Buddhist from Boulder, Colorado later died from his injuries. This was actually his second attempt of self-immolation as he tried to do this in front of the World Trade Center back in 2017. This was also not the first time that someone has set themselves on fire in the nation's capital for climate change. In 2018, gay rights lawyer David Buckle set himself on fire in climate protest, later dying from his injuries. Most climate activists were deeply saddened but understanding of the act, as the crisis has become more dire. My thoughts go out to Wynn's dad and friends. He was an only child. 
In other U.S. news, the Bureau of Land Management announced it's shrinking the amount of area eligible for drilling in the Arctic Reserve, basically moving the percentage back to the Obama era 52% from the Trump era 82%. The National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska encompasses approximately 23 million acres. The new rule would also reinstate protections for certain areas considered environmentally significant. Now over to some climate fails. While many countries, particularly in Europe, are trying to build back a bit greener, others are clinging even harder to coal. Global coal production capacity rose almost 1% in 2021, according to Global Energy Monitor. That may not sound like a lot, but we're at a point right now that calls for rapid decline of coal, not an uptake of any kind. Most of this increase comes from China. In fact, they added almost the same amount of coal plant capacity as the rest of the world shut down in 2021. Since the beginning of 2022 and the start of Russia's war in Ukraine, India and China have doubled down on coal. The only upside is that the number of new coal projects under development in 2021 fell by 13% last year. But this is not the case this year. The number has risen by 9%, a record high. Globally, there is still more than 2,400 coal-fired plants being operated in 79 countries, and only 107 of them have a phase-out date. Speaking of coal, the UK is close to greenlighting its first coal mine in decades. It would be located in Cumbria and will extract coking coal from the North Sea. Coking coal is mainly used for steel production. Environmental activists are fighting it hard right now, as it could jeopardize the kingdom's climate goals. On the bright side, a new poll by the center-right think tank Onward found that if the UK's Conservative Party, the Tories, ditched net zero goals, it could lose 1.3 million voters. 46% of voters polled said that they are less likely to vote for a party that wants to back out of the UK's net zero plans. Through emitting greenhouse gases as well as overusing chemicals and not taking necessary precautions, we're seeing an increase in disasters, according to the UN Office of Disaster Risk Reduction. Right now, we're seeing about 400 medium or large disasters every year during the last two decades. The pandemic is considered a large disaster, by the way. The report predicts that we could see as many as 560 disasters a year by 2030, or about 1.5 a day. Most of these disasters are extreme weather events fueled by climate change. The office says that humans are making decisions that are too narrow in focus and have been over-optimistic about the threat of disasters, leaving us unprepared. The price of disasters has also gone up, with them previously costing about $7 billion a year and now costing over $170 billion a year after adjusting for inflation. Over in the U.S., there's growing concern over the state of the wind economy as logistics and mineral costs and demand are all rising, but the profitability wanes. The International Energy Agency says that we need to get 390 gigawatts of wind energy on the global grid every year, but in 2021, we added a quarter of that. Many supply chain disruptions have been due to the pandemic, but governments, including the U.S., prematurely pulling back on their subsidies for this form of energy is to blame as well. There have also been some restrictions in permitting in the U.S. U.S.-based manufacturers are also starting to be squeezed out by Chinese manufacturing, just like what happened in the solar industry. 
Bottom line, the U.S. government needs to up its incentivization and subsidies for domestic wind production now or we will miss our clean energy targets. Now to Texas, which has a little loophole allowing polluters to give fine money back to fossil fuel industries. The Texas Natural Gas Foundation, a nonprofit that promotes natural gas to the public, is considered a Supplemental Environmental Project, or SEP. And according to Texas law, polluters fined for creating environmental damage can choose to give fined money to SEPs instead of back to the state. SEPs are meant to remediate industrial pollution and environmental harm by funding projects that clean up polluted sites and restore habitats. So on the face of things, it makes sense that polluting companies should be able to give money to these organizations. But the Texas Natural Gas Foundation has broken the system. The foundation gives money to replacing old diesel trucks and buses with new gas vehicles, and it's also developing curriculum for children that is full of misinformation and propaganda supporting the fossil fuel industry. The foundation has received $217,000 from diverted fines. Okay, let's finish today's episode with some positive chemical news. The European Union unveiled a new restrictions roadmap for potentially 12,000 chemical substances, basically any chemical with links to cancers, hormonal disruptions, reprotoxic disorders, obesity, diabetes, and other illnesses. This would be the world's largest chemical ban if passed. And that was your climate news for Wednesday, April 27th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Beckosphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.